All right, Wes, question one is the, the easy one, but it usually extracts a great story. How did you fall into franchising? Because nobody wants to fall in franchising, then we do, and then we love it. But how did you fall into franchising? What's your franchise <laughs> story? Great, great question. Yeah, I think uh, franchising kind of came to me in this sense. So um, I was operating uh, United Defense Tactical, which is our reality-based you know, threat training company. And I had some students that just loved what we were doing, uh, just huge fans, and they they approached me. And it turns out that uh, they were, um, you know, really in leadership positions and founding positions in many different franchise businesses, including uh, UFC, Mayweather Boxing, uh, McGregor Fast, XPT, and a number of other uh, great brands. And they kind of approached me and said, man, we love what you're doing. Uh, we think this has a huge impact on people in the community. And uh, have you ever thought about maybe franchising this? And I had thought about it a little bit, you know, maybe doing corporate more corporate stores is kind of what we were looking at at the time. And uh, after uh, working with with this group and, and being able to kind of assemble a team, it really made sense for us to uh, to work in a in a in moving forward with a franchise opportunity with the unit economics that we have on this model. And so that's kind of how I got uh, started into franchising. All right. So con consultancies, uh, they, they say, go franchise your business. If you think back to that moment and then what your expectations were when you started thinking about it and then what the realities were, what were some of the gaps in what you perceived franchising was, what it really is and what your expectations were and what the realities are? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, it, it, coming into it, I, I think everybody kind of has just maybe a very general idea of what franchising is, you know, with not a lot of detail and information. And uh, so I think I was kind of in that in that category. I uh, have run and built, you know, several companies, but had never, you know, tried to franchise any of those opportunities. Uh, so I think there's just a lot to build, you know, to do it correctly. Obviously, there's a lot of compliance. Uh, and I think the biggest thing and the, the biggest value of, of a franchise that a franchisor can bring is the support and really everything has you know, all the brain damage has been done and you know, <laughs> you know everything's kind of been as perfected as it can be and and so um, I think that that uh, uh, was something that really was surprising how much there was to put together to properly do it and uh, the the group that I was telling you about it's um, actually brought on one of these gentlemen is is a partner Mike Milby who was uh, uh, co-founded Mayweather Boxing and mm -hmm. and uh, is the head of Fit Lab in, in Don Michael. So they're actually part of our team and not, not consultants. But they, awesome. had, uh, just to clarify, they initially offered to help us uh, for free just because they believe in the model. And then we kind of built it from there, uh, from them, you know, becoming part of, you know, part of our team. How many units do you guys have now? What's that? How many locations do you have now? So we have, uh, so we have six, we have six franchises that have been awarded. So we just started franchising earlier this year so we have six that are officially awarded we've got um we've got uh, a number of candidates you know in the pipeline that we're working with right now that obviously more will will come from that and we're just kind of focused on a few markets you know at a time including you know our, our closer markets here in california but also uh las vegas um uh, dallas tampa so there's a few other markets that uh, that we're currently working with so when you when you go through the process of, of franchising, you're you you're operating your first your first business, and it, it doesn't seem like you ever had a dream of franchising. And it was more by you know persuasion of your customers saying this should be franchised. 
Did, did franchise ever cross your mind as you were creating it? Yeah, you know, maybe not when I first created it. You know, I mean, I, I re, there was a real need that, that we were filling here. So that was kind of the, the passion for it is to build it, to fill the need. Uh, and we, we can kind of dive into that a little bit. But yeah. the answer your question, um, um, oh, sorry, sorry, Nick. Um, yeah, to answer your question, the... I'm sorry. I apologize. What was your question? What was the original? Yeah, were you thinking about franchising it in the middle of uh, getting? Yeah, the maybe, maybe kind of, kind of. Once we started, once we started, the, really kind of got the project up and running. The response was 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 overwhelming. You know, from the, the civilian community, law enforcement. Uh, we started getting uh, calls from other markets. We we've had customers that maybe were moving, especially during kind of the Corona Corona crisis, uh, moving to other states that were hoping that we were going to you know bring. Uh, you know, locations out, uh, you know, where, where they were. And so there was, yeah, just a lot of internal demand for additional locations. And, and it just resonated so well with people, this type of training that we, it, it was kind of a no brainer for us to expand. There was no choice we had to expand. It was yeah. really more of a matter we were going to do at corporate stores or we're going to do it through a franchise model. From finding, creating the business to franchising, how much time went by? Uh, we're, we're in about, uh, in about four and a half years right now. And so if you go back to the, you've opened up the business, I assume bootstrapping, hustling, grit, all of the elements of an entrepreneur had to go into that. How, how is the progression? How did you go about finding this and creating it and building it? Yeah, great, great, great question. So this is, this is something we're really first to market and what we're doing in this reality-based training. So it was kind of a whole new sector that needed, you know, some development and, you know, uh, testing and exploration to kind of see, you know, how, how we make the model, you know, as successful as, as it has become, you know, today. But the, the, the kind of the fact of the matter is, is that the, the type of self-defense training and firearms training that the people are currently doing is, is, is oftentimes not really preparing them for real situation. And uh, let me ask you this. Uh, Nick, have you been to a range before? Have you shot a gun at a, in an indoor range? I've thought about it. I have not. Okay. So when when people, and, and that's fine. And, and obviously, you know, everybody has the right to, to have a gun. Doesn't mean everybody should, right? And, and obviously, it, it's not necessarily for everyone. But if they do have a gun, they really do have a responsibility to get proper training. So the current training that's really out there for, for pretty much everybody, you know, whether it's civilian, law enforcement, even most military, it's, it's very static training. And by that, I mean that there's no real reality-based component. You're, you're at a range, there's a piece of paper, there's no threat, there's no uh, you know, fight or flight, there's no communication or de-escalation, there's no ramifications. It's not even, nobody even perceives it as a real threat. And so effectively what you're doing is just marksmanship. You're yeah. just learning how to, under no pressure, to put a hole in a piece of paper. So when you take somebody who's had that kind of training and then you, which is almost no training, and then put them in a real situation where they've got a threat quickly approaching them, maybe there's multiple threats, there's the legality of should I draw my gun, can I draw my gun, how would I articulate I needed to, um, you know, the bodily harm that could possibly happen, protecting your family, you know, all those factors, you know, people tend to fall down to a very low level of performance uh, and a lot of times even just completely freeze up. And so 
that's that that's really the training that's provided. So what we do is a little bit different. And in my background, you know, is, is a trained, you know, private military contractor and, and, and a high level executive protection, you know, specialist and self-defense, you know, expert, the uh, realizing that, you know, reality is not that type of training. It really is very dynamic. You have to be, you know, situationally aware. Uh, the last thing we want to do is, is, is use a weapon in a situation if we don't have to, you know, but being situational, situationally aware, having good threat recognition skills. Uh, being able to control that kind of initial fight or flight, being able to be able to get distance, maybe escape the situation, uh, being able to defend ourselves. And then God forbid, if we actually had to draw a weapon because our life was in immediate and imminent danger, then we have the ability to, you know, perform correctly and to articulate, articulate, you know, why we would need to do that. So the training just didn't really exist. It just wasn't out there. So we do a combination of simulator training so we put our, our members our students in simulators where they're using a laser-based uh, weapon system and it creates a real scenario where the, it is a threat you're you're dealing with a real threat you've got to decide if it's a threat you've got to you know decide if you're going to engage that threat but it's a you know somewhat interactive scenario um, and in addition to that we do live fire we use self-defense and so really kind of creating a complete you know, a uh, program for somebody's safety and self-defense. All right. So two comments and then, then my follow-up question. Uh, two comments is one, get what you're saying. Every time I play that video game where the aliens are coming out and you're not supposed to shoot the humans, I always shoot the humans. So I could totally benefit from that. Secondly, uh, uh, our, our security alarm when we lived in Chicago went off in the middle of the night. Now the wind blew the door open. I didn't know. I grabbed the iron. So that's how I went for, for defense. And I, I marched yeah. down those stairs ready to battle with an iron. If I, if I had you, you would have made me feel, feel a lot more confident. But when, when so you're we, we can help you. We can help you. <laughs> when, you're, when you're marketing this thing, because I would imagine like to the customer, and we're not, we're not even at franchise, franchise side yet, but to the customer, I would assume there's, there's one, I want to understand how to use a weapon properly and I'm going to have a weapon in my home. Therefore you can help train me, but there's also gotta be like fear based, like some moment has happened that is triggering me to make, make sure that I feel safer in the moment. How do you like you, when you open up this business, like how are you actually getting customers? Is it from a, a arms dealer that says you need to go get training as a referral? Is it from community members that are afraid and need, need support? Like, how did you even get the customer base going? Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's surprising that, uh, or it may be surprising to you, but the vast majority of people now want training and firearms. And that really, you know, before, before COVID, this was an amazing business. And then after COVID, you know, which was obviously a terrible time for everybody, but that need only grew during right. During 2020, our business grew 76% kind of in the heat of, of COVID. So it, what it did is it brought to everyone's mind that, you know, to some degree, you have to be your own protector. You know, if, if something, if you go, go to a gas station, you're pumping gas and somebody comes up and is trying to rob you, attack you, carjack you, the police are not going to instantly arrive and be able to save you in, in 10 seconds, right? So we have to take some responsibility to be able to protect ourselves. Crime has, has been high for a long time, but in the last few years, it has absolutely skyrocketed. I, I don't think there's anybody on the, on the planet that can't, you know, can't say that at this point, certainly in, in the United States, uh, seeing it, you know, in every city and in every even small town. So crime, crime is on the rise. 
Uh, and there's more of a need than ever for, for people to be able to protect themselves. And I think that people have realized that. So we've never had a problem in finding a customer. It's, it's really just letting them know that we're here and that there is this other type of training and this more reality-based training that, that can help prepare them to survive you know, a real life-threatening situation. Because the, the fact of the matter is, Nick, is you, you can't do something you haven't been trained to do. Yeah. So you can't have an idea of, oh, I do this or I would do that. You won't because under pressure, you won't even be able to remember what your plan was. And if you've never actually run that plan, and you, you really can't do it. And so we, we see that time and time again. So our goal is to it, it's really everyone's coming to us now. Uh, they might be a professional in law enforcement or in the military or in security. But a lot of times we're getting people who've never had a gun, never wanted a gun before. But now they realize, you know, the value of being able to protect themselves and they've seen the crime on the rise and they, maybe something's happened to them, maybe not. But in almost all cases, somebody knows somebody that something has happened to in the last, you know, four or five you know, years or so. And so it, it, it really is a motivator for them to be able to prepare them, you know, defend and, and be able to prepare for, uh, you know, these types of, of life threatening situations. And, and people want to be able to get their concealed carry. They want to be able to protect themselves. They want to be able to protect their family. They want to be able to protect from a home invasion. And these are things that are happening on a daily basis right now. This, this is going to be a, a potentially dumb statement. And I preface it by saying that. But on the reverse, like you're, you're training gun, gun safety to gun owners. Will your business ever switch over to like training a, a teacher on what to do if there's a gun present, like more on the, on the defense when you don't have a weapon present, like will that ever happen from a company like yours? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the, the last thing that, that we teach is to draw the weapon. So we obviously have to teach safety. We have to teach how to use a weapon, how to be very, very proficient with a weapon. And, and frankly, most people are not, even if they've been shooting their whole lives, they're really not that proficient. Yeah. Uh, you have to teach you how to be, how to deal with things under the pressure. But our, our whole, our whole teaching program is to, first of all, try not to be in the situation in the first place and teaching you skills to not be in that situation, to put yourself in a better position, you know, where you park in a parking lot, where you sit in a restaurant, you know, how you set up your home security, et cetera. So trying to prevent the situation in the first place. But then, you know, if, if it occurs, then, you know, giving them the ability to, you know, have, have in their toolbox uh, de-escalation skills, you know, plans, you know, having a plan and having a plan with their family, because just because you have a plan, doesn't mean that your family knows what that is, right? right? So God forbid somebody breaks into your home, there better be a plan and there better be a plan that you've run, you know, with your family so that everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to do instead of trying to figure it out, you know, in the midst of a, of a life-threatening situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another potentially dumb question, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I, love the, I love the topic. At some point, shouldn't gun training hit younger children i mean if i think about what what my fear would be about having yeah. a weapon in the home is is not my comfort level with it but having children in the home absolutely that's, that's probably my, my biggest fear shouldn't shouldn't at some point schools or someone say let's start showing what a gun is and what it can do to 10 year olds so that it prevents some of this crap from happening later on 
Yeah, and that, that's that's it's great that you said that, and you're you're 100 spot on. So education's the key. So gun safety really is about education, and that starts in the home. You know, the gun placement, educating kids about guns. One of the things that one of the main reasons that accidents happen, uh, you know, with guns in homes with children, are because the guns are not secured, and because the kids are curious because they don't know anything about the guns. Right. They don't know if it's real. They don't know the ramifications. They don't know how to operate the gun. So we've partnered with a nonprofit group called uh, Project Child Safe, and that's exactly what they do: is they help parents educate the kids. They have uh, kits that help do that. At the that normally you can get it at local police stations, depending if they they have those in stock at the time. Um, and there's a whole program that they have. So it is critical. Everyone should be educated on gun safety. Everyone should be. It's a critical critical component. And then you have a choice. You can own a gun. You cannot own a gun. Either way is fine. But if you're going to own a gun, you need training. You need you need to really take the responsibility to get proper training, because in a real situation, you need to be able to think of things. One is not overreacting, making sure that you're doing something that, uh, you know, is, is not going to cause legal issues for you. Uh, making sure that everyone's safe, you know, in the sense of that, you know, how to handle the gun, you know, how to handle under pressure and you know, all the things that you can do besides, you know, go to that weapon system. Uh, last philosophical question, then we'll get into the franchise side. It, it, from, from your business standpoint, like if I think about a burger brand, I, I guess potentially uh, PETA uh, protesting outside your burger restaurant for, for hurting animals is a possibility, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen. In your field, like it is, it is a political viewpoint, and people are are it's like there are very few that can live in gray areas. It's like it's super black and white. Have you had to run up against that? And in my opinion, it ends up being like if humans are willing to have a conversation about a topic that is somewhat sensitive, then it it's fine. But when you run into someone that's unwilling to have a viewpoint, even though what you're doing is trying to help, does politics ever? hit and stress you out? No, I, you know, that's a lot of that's just politics. You know, that's a lot of that's just politicians kind of polarizing, you know, those topics, right? Um, you know, there's there's two extremes of this. Should everybody have a gun? No. Should you be able to get a gun and not train? I don't think so. I think I think there should be some training involved. Not saying you don't have a right to have it, but, you know, you really have the responsibility to you know, uh, to get that training. I mean, I might like 747 jets, but nobody's going to let me fly one. I might have a right to fly a jet someday if I get the proper licensing and go through all the steps and get certified in all the planes before that. But nobody's going to let me fly a 747, right? So it, uh, you know, those those are those are things that are they're important. But we haven't we haven't running into any protests. It's surprising that if you really outside of maybe some extremists on both sides, if you, you've talked to the the normal person they really are, 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 you know, they're, they're mostly for it. And, and if you look at the gun sales and all the people that have never owned guns before that, that, that have bought guns in the last, you know, few years, it's, it's shocking. So people are really starting to realize, you know, that like they have to be able to protect themselves on some level and everybody does have a right to protect themselves. And, you know, uh, with, with crime really skyrocketing and sometimes in some cases, police resources being diminished, you know, uh, and training resources being diminished, you know, it's more important than ever to be able to at least have that option to be able to defend yourself and your family properly. Yeah, that makes sense. So on the franchise side, is, the, is there a consistency on the persona of your first six? Are they 
former law enforcement or former military? Like, are you finding a trend here or is it, is there something else? Is there, is there something else in the persona of your buyer? Yeah. So, so what, what we find is, I mean, those, those are potentially candidates. There's no, there's no question, but really what we're looking for um, is in what we've seen is that it's, it's people that really know they, they understand what we do. Some of these people were in the first kind of early adopters were, were members that just love it. You know, they love being here. They love what we have. When they learned that we had a franchise opportunity, they just kind of went crazy. And we've had, uh, you know, a lot of, of members express interest in, you know, in, in, a, in a franchise in becoming part of this because they see the impact that we have uh, to their confidence, uh, to, to really empowering them, uh, the impact that we have in the community and safety. And, and we have, you know, a, dozens and dozens of amazing stories where lives were saved or issues were avoided or attacks were thwarted, you know, because of the training that the, of, from actual members, including civilians and, and, and law enforcement. But ultimately, here's the, here's the great news about this opportunity is that it, it serves a, a real good in the community. Uh, it, the unit economics are very strong. And someone who has a business background, you know, has run a business before, who has managed a group, has those kind of skill sets, is a perfect candidate for what we're doing. When it comes to the training, we do the training. So we, we can train somebody who has some type of firearms, you know, instructor background. We could train a franchisee to be an instructor over a little bit of time. Um, and But we have a very comprehensive training and support program. And so even if it was a veteran or former law enforcement uh, individual that wanted to be a franchisee, we still have to do some retraining because we have a specific, you know, curriculum and an advanced, uh, you know, curriculum and program. And like I said, this is this reality-based threat training is is a very new concept that we've really helped spearhead. And it it's not the same as just going to a range and and, and putting holes in you know in a, in a piece of paper with a non-threatening target. It really is quite different. It really is the things that somebody needs to prepare mentally physically, legally for a real life encounter. What's the, what's the investment right now? Uh, it, it ranges between 250 and 500. That includes the, uh, the franchise fee, the front franchise fee kind of depends on the build out. Obviously, you know, there's uh, uh, it's, it's not a super complicated build out, but there's multiple rooms that are needed, you know, sure. for these training labs, for the simulators and some, you know, some general purpose space. Uh, are you, offices, are you making uh, earnings claim in item 19? Uh, not yet. Not yet. We haven't yet. No. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that, that pans out. Obviously you're in the early stages of it, but look, I mean, in, in franchising one brands don't sell brands, people do, you're doing a good job of telling your story. You established groundwork on, on unit one. You showed what it looked like. Your customers bought into it. They want to go buy your franchise. That's great. You've engineered a, a, a lower side investment. It's cheaper than a restaurant. It's a little bit more than home service. Right. Uh, when you can show what the numbers are, that's going to give you another tool. But frankly, your first six know, know a secret that others don't. So they can Absolutely. just lean on them. Um, but it seems like you're doing the, the right thing. If to, to close out, there's a ghost candidate that's listened to our conversation uh, so far. Anything else you want them to know about the business opportunity? Yeah, just I, I think that, you know, when when they learn more about it, they're going to see that, you know, it, it has very strong unit ec economics. Uh, in margins, I, I think it competes very well with with some of the best franchises out there. Uh, it certainly could exceed others, and it it 
you, you know, sometimes people are looking for something more than than just a business opportunity as well. And this is something where it is very fulfilling. It's fulfilling on a daily basis, working with members, working with community, working with law enforcement, you know, all the great stories and feedback that we get. And we do, we do make an impact and we are making an impact and we just want to make a, you know, more substantial impact nationwide uh, and, you know, try to get this type of training that's desperately needed, you know, across the country. Uh, last thing I'll say that I think is, is, a, is an important number is the reality is you're training humans on an element of safety and frankly, it ends up being life protection. Um, I would almost want to see a, a, a ticker or a milestone tracker of how many people you train and use that as a PR opportunity every hundred thousand, whatever that number turns into because that, that's a tangible impact that you're making to communities. Mm -hmm. And it will show to other communities what the purpose of having you in there is, right. where even, even local politicians can champion for you to be there because the service that you're providing uh, is educational and, and safety training. So if, if I bought your brand today, that's the first thing I would do. I'd highlight members who have gone through this and even, even giving them the, the graduation certificate to give a yearbook of, of all these folks that have gone through it. Cause you, you're clearly on a mission to make, make uh, people safer when it comes to firearms. I think that's, yep. that's awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. And that's a great idea. Well, for Wes, I'm Nick. Thank you for doing this, Wes. This is another episode of Meet the Zor.